Church on Fire series. Um, and this week we're looking at hospitality. Um, and basically we've got the same reading as we did last week, minus one verse. Andy basically spent most of his time talking about verse 43. But we're doing 44 to 47 today. So we're going to read it and then we will crack on. Okay, here we go. So Acts 2, verses 44 to 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So Andy spoke from that verse 43, which is basically about the four practices that the early church undertook. They were devoted to the teaching of Jesus, to fellowship, to meeting together, to breaking bread, so eating together in their homes, and to prayer. And so moving on from that, talking on hospitality, and when Andy said, Beth, can you do the one on hospitality? I was like, sure, that's so lame. Like, thanks for giving me the boring topic about being nice to people and making tea and biscuits, like, cheers. Yeah, I'll try and figure out something for that. Um, I have told him that, by the way, I'm not, I'm not being mean to Andy. <laughs> um, but as I've dug into hospitality and what it means for the church, my mind is a bit blown. Um, I feel a mixture of emotions. I feel a bit, well, I feel very challenged by it. I feel super excited but I also feel like I've got a very long way to go to like make even a dent in what hospitality is. And normally when we think about the word hospitality, there's kind of two fields that we think of it in. The first one being like industry, so hotels, the nice little shampoo and biscuits you get in hotel rooms, that kind of hospitality, which is basically give us more money and we'll be nice to you. And then the other kind of field is when you have people over for dinner, so inviting friends around to your house, come and have a meal with me, but I will be annoyed if you don't bring a bottle of wine. That's kind of hospitality. And when we think of it in those terms, hospitality seems pretty easy, it's pretty safe, pretty cosy, and actually it's not that revolutionary at all. Hospitality for Christians goes way beyond saying hi to someone at church or getting a nice biscuit with your coffee in a cafe. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we completely forget that we actually offer the world something that they desperately need and want. When we invite people into our space, into our community, we're inviting them into a place where they can know that God loves them, where they can know that they are completely valued, where they can know that they're not alone, that they always have people with them, that in times of difficulty, they're surrounded by a community of grace. We offer them the peace of God that runs so deep past all understanding. And we offer them the chance to know that they are forgiven and loved by God. It's a bit different, isn't it, than tea and biscuits? (laughs) Hospitality for a follower of Jesus is to take a hand of a stranger and to put it in the hand of Jesus. And there's so much to cover on what this means for us, but I'm going to focus on three things that I felt the Lord speak to me about over the past couple of weeks as as I've thought about this from those verses. And the three things I want to talk about this morning is firstly, that hospitality is sacrificial. Secondly, that hospitality forms and extends families. And thirdly, that hospitality is missional. So, number one, hospitality is sacrificial. And this is from verse 45. So it says in verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The early church was so sold out for Jesus and for building the church They gave everything that they had. They sold it and they gave away to people what they earned. 
for anyone that needed it. And when reading that verse, it is really easy just to dismiss that and be like, well, that doesn't work today. No one's going to sell their house and give away all of their earnings. Like, we can just dismiss it and say, no, it's too outrageous for us. I'm not saying that you should all go and sell your houses. Maybe some of you should. Maybe that's what the Lord is saying. But maybe he's not. But what I am saying is that the early church chose to put themselves in uncomfortable positions for, to further the kingdom. They chose to put themselves in an uncomfortable position so that other people could know God. And this week, actually no, yeah, actually yes, this week, God has put me in some really uncomfortable positions. In the space of 10 minutes, a couple of things happened to me, and I was like, Lord, I know you're speaking, but I don't want to know. <laughs> the first thing was on Tuesday, so basically the church laptop broke, I needed to go and fix it, I needed to take it to the Apple shop, I had an appointment, and no one else is in the church building, and I left myself just the right amount of time to get to the train station, to get onto the train. And so I locked up the building, I went outside, and there's a lady on the, um, on the church steps, and, she, and I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, can I, can I come in? And I was like, I'm so sorry, I've got to go and get a train, like, there's no one in the building, like, I need to leave. And she was like, can I not even come in to say a prayer? And I was like, I'm so sorry, the church is closed, I've got to go and get a train. And I just closed the door and I walked off and I felt so overcome with guilt that I was just like, you know, actually, who am I saying that the church is closed for you to come into? Um, Yeah, and I was just like, Beth, you're an absolute idiot. Why did you do that? You should have at least listened to her or prayed with her. Like, you you could have done something there. So that's one blow. And then I got to get to the train station and I get onto the platform and the train platform, like, smells so bad. I was like, oh, this is, this is horrible. And I, I thought, I was like, maybe something happened last night and it just still smells today. And I was like, I just stood on the platform. And then I realised where the smell was coming from and it was coming from this woman and she smelled really, really bad. And you could tell that it was making other people feel uncomfortable. And she had these two suitcases and she, got on, she was trying to get onto the train and she was trying to get suitcases on. And I was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, should I help with the suitcases? Yeah, you probably should. But in my selfishness, I was like, no, I don't want to go near her. I'm not going to. And so I let her get on the train by herself. And then I sat down and she was walking up and down the train trying to get a seat. And she sat down next to this woman. This woman got up in disgust, like really obviously disgusted by this woman. I was like, oh my gosh, and moved away. And then gradually other people from the carriage just moved away from her. And I didn't move away, but I didn't do anything. I didn't say, I didn't speak to her, I didn't even say hi. Um, yeah, and in that space of 10 minutes, like, I, I was just, I was so, like, the Lord spoke to me, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so selfish. Like, I didn't want to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to put myself out for someone else. I didn't want to be late for the appointment. I was so fixed on getting this laptop fixed, which is so selfish, that I had no time for anyone else and for anyone else's needs. And I read a quote this week that, um, that really spoke to me about that, those situations, that 10 minutes, um, that says, when I consider the stranger, I am confronted with my worst fears. And that is what it felt like in that moment. I was confronted with, do you know what? I don't want the rejection. What if she hits me? What if like, all these people start laughing at me? What if I'm late? Like, all my, the things that I really don't want to happen, that's the thing that entered my head. I didn't think about the people that actually were there. I was so overwhelmed with my own my own stuff really and I think if we're honest the biggest obstacle to the church being hospitable is our craving for comfort 
We all crave comfort so bad. We all want that comfortable life that we don't have to put ourselves out for at all. That we will do almost anything to have it, or in my case, do absolutely nothing, <laughs> so that I was able to stay in my comfort zone. And so many of us are not willing to sacrifice for Jesus, myself included, at the expense of our own comfort. I want to encourage and empower us this morning to tap into that challenge. If you're feeling squirmy in your seat, me too, because I feel so challenged by this message. But if we truly want to see people come to faith in Jesus, if we truly want to be a church community that welcomes everyone and that loves our town really well, then we have to be willing ourselves to be uncomfortable for the comfort of others. For me, that would have been stopping and listening to the woman outside of church and missing my train, maybe offering to pray for her or just hearing her out and what, what, she, what was going on for her. It would have been maybe saying hi to the lady on the train while everyone else moved away. And we take our lead on hospitality from God. He is the ultimate host. He provides to people, he created the world, he stands with people, he comforts them in times of need, he loves them. And ultimately, he, he wants to have a relationship with everyone. Hospitality is a characteristic of God, and we see it in Jesus. We see it when he provides food for five, over 5,000 people. We see it at the wedding when he provides loads of wine when they've ran out. We see it when Jesus breaks the bread at the Last Supper and shares it with his disciples. We see it when he has dinner with Zacchaeus, a man that no one liked. We see it when he healed the man with leprosy, a man that no one else would have touched. We see it when he heals the woman with the issue of blood, again, someone that no one would have touched. And ultimately, we see it on the cross when he gave himself for us. Jesus constantly puts himself in positions where others would judge him, where others would think he was strange or a bit weird, where other, where other people would think, actually, you know what, I don't like you, mate. I don't like what you're doing. And as he does this, he does it to reveal who God is. But like Jesus, when we offer hospitality to other people, we reveal who God is to those who don't know him yet. When we sacrifice our own comfort for someone else so that someone else can feel loved, we reveal God to them. Hospitality is sacrificial. It costs us something, and it forces us to turn outwards and focus on the needs of other people. So it's, it's sacrificial, but hospitality also forms and extends families. I'm just reading from verse 46 and 47, and they say, Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. The early church met together every day to eat together in their community. Food is super, super important when it comes to hospitality. Food is just important, end of. Um, but that is why there's so much food at church events. We always have so much because it's so important to meeting together. And I want you to think about what was one of the best meals you've ever had, ever had. What did you eat? Where were you? Who were you with? What made it really, really special? When you think about your best meal, chances are you probably weren't by yourself unless you're a raging introvert and you just needed that time. <laughs> but chances are you're probably surrounded by people that you love and who love you. And that's because food brings people together. It's that shared experience. It's talking about, oh my gosh, did you try the mashed potato in my case? It's so good. Um, <laughs> but it allows us to take some time together, doesn't it? To not be distracted and just communicate and catch up and share our lives with each other. 
And it's why we eat once a month after church together. When we pile in there and we all bring random food and we all eat together. Because when we share food, something happens. We start not to just share food, but we share our lives together when we have those random, random potluck kind of meals. We begin to share our lives together. And our community lunches are so formational to our church family. So I encourage you, if you haven't been to one, come to one. They're so great. And I want you to think about, if our church community was a dinner table, what kind of dinner table would it be? And what kind of dinner table are we building our church to be like? Are we building an exclusive dinner table where we all have a lovely people, lovely time with people that are just like us? Where we all eat the same food and we laugh at the same jokes and we have the, sh- the, the same experience? A table that is perfect and tiny, no room for error or any kind of messiness. No room for a dodgy potato salad. <laughs> Maybe a one a bit like this. I mean, that looks pretty nice, doesn't it? But you think about it, it's so clean, it's so perfect. Everyone looks really beautiful in their gowns or the candles and it all looks absolutely perfect. Nothing is out of place. Are we building that kind of dinner table? Or are we building a dinner table that is vast, that is huge, that always has a space for someone else, that says, pull up a chair, we've always got space, we've always got more food. A place where people, it's full of people from different backgrounds and experiences, A table where everyone is equal. Everyone is an insider. A table that has space for dodgy potato salads. Are we building that kind of table? And that is the kind of community that I want to build, the second one. I mean, that looks so fun, doesn't it? I love it. And that is the community that I want to be part of, and it's one that I want to build as well, where everyone is welcome, regardless of who they are. I don't want to extend this table from the church building into how I treat people in my everyday life. I want to invite and build community with people that aren't just like me. When communities are at their best, they are full of different kinds of people. Whether they're single, they're married, divorced, gay, straight, young, old, people with kids, people without kids. When the community is at its best, it is full of everyone. Everyone's there and everyone plays their part because that is what families look like. They're full of strange people who all have different experiences. And that's what we want our church to reflect. Church is round the table where everyone contributes, where everyone gets to play a part and everyone is invited. Hospitality, when we share and eat together, not only forms our own family, but it extends an invitation to everyone. Hospitality is sacrificial. It forms and extends families. And lastly, hospitality is missional. In verse 47, it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being drawn to Jesus. Daily. That is a picture of what we want our community to look like. That we would live our lives so focused on those who are not in this building yet. That God would draw people to himself. And that we would get to lead people to Jesus every single day. That is what we want. Now, as I was saying, true hospitality looks for those who don't know Jesus and it invites them into this community. As I was thinking about this, hospi- this concept of hospitality and what, what that means, and I was looking in the Bible um, at Jesus and how his disciples treated him and how they treated people who wanted to come and meet Jesus. And in Matthew 10, people started bringing their kids to Jesus and they were like, I want, I want my 
kids go and see Jesus? And all the disciples were like, no, 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 this is a kid-free zone. Like, take them home. Like, we are, they are not welcome here. Please take them home. And Jesus was like, no, like, let, the, let the kids come to me. In Matthew 14, Jesus was supposed to be having some time by himself. Um, and he kind of wandered off, but a crowd followed him, as they always do. And Jesus was so moved by this crowd that he was like, I'm just, I've got to go. And he healed their sick and he ministered to them. After a while, the disciples were like, we've had, we've had enough. Like, let them go. Let them go and get some food for themselves. We need some time just for us. In these incidences, the disciples were creating boundaries. Well, they were trying to create boundaries around Jesus, around who could speak to him, around what Jesus did with his time, around what he did with his power. I don't know why that was. It, it feels a bit strange to me. I wonder what they were trying to protect Jesus from. I wonder what um, boundaries that I or we try to create around Jesus, who I think could come to know Jesus, who I don't think could come to know him. And it's not obvious. I'd never say that out loud. But it's definitely something that goes through in my mind, subconsciously. Sometimes I only want to share the goodness of God with people that are like me because they're easier to talk to, for me. Um, or actually, I don't want to share Jesus with someone because I'm scared that if I ask to pray for them that God won't show up and I'll look stupid. There are some of the boundaries I try to create around God. I wonder what some of yours are. Incredibly, when we put these barriers around God, God says, no, thanks, that's not me, that's not how I work. And he breaks them down and he moves anyway, so we're off the hook <laughs> a little bit. And we see in these stories that Jesus challenged the disciples and said, no, let the children come, or don't send them away, we'll provide food, I'll do a miracle. And we can try as hard as we want to to push God into a box that suits us, but actually just won't fit. And that is a really amazing thing. Because if he was just, if he works on our terms, it would be rubbish. <laughs> and it's something so helpful to be aware of what is the box that you're trying to put God into. It's helpful to be aware of that so you can bring that before God and say, Lord, would you just like break this down? Help me to have a bigger picture of who you are. And when we think about this in the context of hospitality, it means extending our community outside of these walls, extending the invitation to know Jesus beyond the people that might walk through our doors on a Sunday. We're, and actually, we're going to see this in such a powerful way, I believe, through these missional groups that we're starting. Each one of them has such an incredible way of extending the invitation to know Jesus. Whether that is offer of a free lunch for a kid, or whether it is a bacon sandwich after a park run, whether it's a chat about life at a coffee morning, or whether it's someone willing to listen to you and about your concern for the area. Each of these things show hospitality and they show who God is to those who don't know him. And as I said at the furnace on Wednesday, these groups are going to push us out of our comfort zones as we get to know new people and extend that invitation. But we're actually engaging in what God has called us here to do. This is why we're here, because we, we don't want to stay in this building, we want to get outside of it. I read this week that fruitful congregations know that their work focuses on those who are not yet here. So fruitful congregations know their work focuses on those who are not yet here. And that is who we want to be, but it's also who we're becoming, and God is totally shaping each one of us to, to focus on, people, on stuff that's going on outside of church. And over the months of being part of this community, I feel so deeply disturbed by the fact that there are so many people in our town that don't know God, that don't know the incredible love of Jesus in their lives. And it feels like a burden that I'm carrying. It feels like, I don't know, it feels like a weight. 
And I know so many others of you in this room feel the same way. That you long for people in our town, for people in Felton to know God and to know the truth. And the good news is, is that that is a God-stirring thing. And that God makes us restless for the things of his heart. He makes us restless for the things that he wants. And he moves us into action and he gives us his spirit to be able to do it. I'm just going to read those verses again. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When the church showed hospitality, when they moved beyond their own needs and fostered a deep community with each other, the result was that the Lord drew people closer to himself and then he planted them in church community. Hospitality is missional. It draws people into relationship with God and with other other followers of Jesus too. So what does that mean for us? Hopefully I've painted a picture of hospitality and what it is, that it will cost us something, that that it's sacrificial. That is formational for our families, but also it opens up an invitation that says everyone's welcome to our table. And lastly, that it is missional and that it looks outwards to those who don't know Jesus yet. And for here at Christchurch, I'm sure this message will have invoked different responses in each of us. Maybe, that you, maybe you want to become more willing to sacrifice your own comfort so that someone else could know God. Maybe that is through praying for someone at work if they're struggling, actually just taking that first step. Maybe you feel challenged about to think about how you use your home and that you want to open it up to grow a community in your area or on your street. Maybe you want to stop putting boundaries around God and who can get to Jesus and you want to start sharing your faith with your family who don't know him yet. And however God has spoken to you this morning, I want you to sit with that for a minute and we're going to pray and worship together in a moment um well let's just take a moment of quiet and actually if you feel like a little niggle just focus on that niggle for a moment whatever that challenge is um and just ask the lord to speak to you about it